Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to A Place to Put My Heart, musings of all the places my heart has been and desires to go. Again, thank you for tuning in. I'm so excited that you're here. My name is Tanya Cooper. Uh, before I begin this next episode, um, I really need to uh, put together a warning for you. Um, this next episode is has uh, content that uh, portrays um, language of a sexual nature and of abuse. So it might not be really appropriate for the young, but I'm glad you're here uh, with me today. For you readers out there, you can catch my blog on a place to put my heart dot wordpress.com. Real love. I'm searching for a real love. Someone to set my heart free. Real love. I'm searching for a real love. These lyrics from Mary J. Blige's song, Searching for a Real Love, keep playing over and over in my mind. While I was recently listening to a woman tell her story of being abused as a child, it brought my own abuse rushing back. Her words did not mirror my memories, but somehow they still found their mark. I don't know exactly how it began, but I can guess why. There was a hole in my heart and a longing in my soul that I suppose started as far back as the womb. It left me with feelings of emptiness and rejection that were as familiar to me as my own shadow. I'm sure my emotions were so raw and transparent that anyone could simply sniff out my vulnerability. I remember the day it was hot, but it was Texas, so it was always hot so hot you could see waves of heat rising from the street. I was wearing my favorite outfit, yellow jean shorts and a tube top to match. Daily, I would sit on his lap to feel the soft caresses of my nipples and hear him tell me I was loved. See, this kind of love touched me in unfamiliar places and awakened in me desires I would crave like a junkie but not yet. My mind was still young enough to think this was real love. This was what had been missing my whole life. Someone to love me, really love me. He took me by the hand and led me to the bedroom, laid me back on the side of the bed, unzipped and pulled off my shorts and panties and spread my legs. You're a big girl now, he said. Let me show you what boys really want. As he unzipped his pants and let himself escape, I could feel the excitement rise in my limbs. I could hear the rapid beating of my heart. All I wanted was to please him, to feel his touch again, to hear him say he loved me. He moaned as his hard body pressed against my wetness and the weight of his chest met mine. The slow but effective time capsule of pain he placed inside me never fully penetrated my opening. Instead, though I didn't know it at the time, this so-called act of love would fill me with seeds that would grow for a lifetime. I was 13. He was 30. After that day, I would not speak of nor think about this act for nearly 10 years. 
There was no need to conjure up these memories or be sad nor be confused by them. I knew then what I know today. It was not my fault or my doing. This was the act of a sick mind, period. How could I have possibly known this period would too soon be replaced by a comma as the seeds he placed in me continued to grow? As an adult, long dormant seeds of self-doubt, insecurity, and body image envy began to germinate. My mind matured, but my body refused to give me the curves everyone seemed to have but me. I wondered why as a child I had been good enough for a grown man, but as a young woman, no man would touch me. And oh, how I longed to be touched. An all too familiar longing began to creep in. Like an alcoholic who remembers how sweet and deadly his last drink was, my body seemed to remember how it responded to his tender caresses to my two tiny nipples and how his hands knew how to arouse parts of me I hadn't even known existed. By now, I had given my life to Christ. My soul had been saved from the penalty of sin, but I had not yet learned how to overcome its power over my life. The enemy of my soul was not through with me yet. My desperate search to alleviate my longings led to stolen stairwell escapades, sexcapades actually, and eventually to years of adulterous activities. Maybe I thought stealing from someone else would alleviate the pain of what had been stolen from me. Sex was my escape, a place to run to where the pain and the emptiness was for a split second replaced, a fantasy that seemed all too real. My heart may have been fooled, but my body recognized the familiar heat of a soft touch in the right place. But like the morning mist and dew that vanishes in the early light of day, my fantasy transformed into chilling reality. For too long, I was unable to distinguish between my pain and his. And at every encounter, we entwined our pain and called it love, for truly, it was the only kind of love either of us knew. The touch of his lips and fingertips were as familiar to my body as my name. The sweetness of my lover's words emboldened my insecurities, and his body extinguished for a moment my desires. Lost in this maze of confusion and madness, I was sacrificing already stolen treasure and settling for someone else's mistakes, wondering if this was all I could get, or rather, all I deserved, instead of trusting in the promise of a Heavenly Father who had already sacrificed everything to give me his best. Still, there was a war raging between my body and soul. While one was being fed, the other was being eaten alive by the sin I so craved. My body was being overloaded. I tried to make myself stop thinking, feeling, wanting. But like any addict, I was hooked, doomed to repeat my failure over and over and over again. I made excuses to family and friends, myself. I dressed or undressed for the occasions I knew a visit was imminent. There were code words and crescent spaces, parking lots and secret meeting spots, full moon midnight drives, and so, so many places to hide. 
There were moans of tenderness that led to screams of delight, yet the nights always ended in emptiness and sorrow, tears, shame, and self-condemnation. A ritual of spiritual whippings always concluded with me promising myself and God it was the last time. And eventually it was. I moved away and got married. My soulmate's touch evoked yet again those old familiar responses. Our playtimes were exquisite and delightful, but again, I had been deceived. The synergy between my body and soul would not come. I was confused, angry, and sorrowful. How could I have reached the promised land of Christian womanhood and not taste the sweet nectar of peace? Why would my heart not surrender to him the same way my body seemed destined to? How could I understand that my heart would not, could not surrender to my husband until it had first surrendered to my savior? I had no practice, no model for this type of surrender. The ability to yield and lay before him my shattered innocence, broken heart, and confused mind was as foreign to me as a different language, a language I had not learned to speak and would not until after the inevitable consequences of my previous sinful escapades came knocking at the door of my own marriage. It would be after the divorce, after the bitterness and anger took root, after the cravings of my heart turned to loneliness, then silence what I learned. I learned to sit still in chaos, listen to the voice in my heart and not the screaming of my relentless longings. I learned to wait and wait and wait. I learned that patience is the activity you practice in the waiting. I learned that expectations were not wrong or sinful given a proper context. I learned that church could not always ease the pain but the word of God would always be my shelter. I learned to talk less and listen more for the voice of Jesus beckoning to me. I learned that Jesus was the lover of my soul and proved it by allowing himself to be beaten, tortured, and put to death, knowing that thousands of years later, Tanya would need a rescuer, a savior. She would need someone to pay what she could not. Someone capable of not just healing the hurts or righting the wrongs, but someone to reverse the curse planted inside her. Someone to stop the identity theft from moving from generation to generation. He knew then that I would need him now and loved me enough to suffer and die for me and future generations of me. I learned who true love is. He is Jesus Christ. This is not the end of my story. There's still much more to come, but make no mistake. I still long for the touch of my future beloved, but as I wait for him and he for me, I pray that we will both continue to long for the touch of God's will for our lives. And no matter how long the wait, it will not be in vain because I have already found my real love.